0: Well, if you want to uh, turn your, in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, uh, we are continuing to systematically work through the book of Colossians. Uh, if you want to follow along in the pew Bibles provided for you, you can find that on page 834. Page 834. Uh, let me read... Um, I'm going to be starting in, in verse 17. Uh, we're going to be reading to the first verse of chapter 4. Uh, I'll pray, and then we will dive uh, in uh, to this morning's uh, text. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. If anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Great God and Father, we adore you. You are holy, holy, holy. Father, we should not be able to come into your presence. We are a wicked and rebellious people. God, we are full of sin. But God, you have made a way for us to be heard, to be, to be called your children through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteous for the unrighteous was slain to bring us to God. Lord, we are overjoyed this morning that we have been called part of the redeemed, purchased by God in Christ. God, we pray for our hearts this morning. God, we pray that you will speak to us with your grace. God, we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will attend your word. We pray that you will soften our hearts, God. We need a word from you, Lord. God, we need your spirit to bring power. Father, we are nothing without you. So God, we ask by your grace and by your mercy, God, bring a spiritual renewal in this place. Bring your spirit here to change our hearts that we may be conformed more and more into your image. God, we ask that you have your hand on Park Baptist Church. You are the Lord of the harvest. So God, we beseech you to bring a harvest in our midst. But God, not only in our midst, but for other churches in our community who are faithfully preaching your gospel. God, we we pray this morning for Northside Baptist Church. God, we pray for Dr. Scott Davis as he he gets up and prepares to preach your word. God, we pray that those people will be edified and strengthened as they hear a word from you. God, we also pray for uh, those in other lands who may not have access to your gospel. God, we pray for India and the believers there. God, we pray that you will strengthen them in the midst of persecution. God, we pray that you will encourage pastors to be bold and courageous as they preach your word. God, we pray for the government in that land, that you will soften their hearts to make an open access to the gospel there, that they can freely worship as we do here. And God, we do pray for our own nation. God, we pray for um, this upcoming election. God, we pray that you will give wisdom uh, to our nation, that you will give wisdom to our president, and you will give wisdom to our Congress, Father. God, we know that you hold the hearts of kings in your hands. God, this nation is yours. God, I pray that you will be gracious and kind to us, giving us a land that, is, um, that honors you, that we have freedom to worship in this place. God, we pray for our land. Heal it, Lord. Heal it. But God, we know that the only way that you can truly heal is by your Spirit, by changing the hearts of men to worship you. So, God, we ask you now that you will change our hearts, that we may worship you. God, I pray for my words. I pray that you will guard them. God, say what needs to be said and nothing more, that you may get all honor and all the glory. We ask this in the matchless name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I have had a lot of different jobs in my life. Um, I was my wife and I've been married for eight years and I think during the whole eight years of marriage This is the only other time in my life. I have only had one job I've always worked two or three, uh, so I've had a lot of different type of jobs uh, But we always remember our first job. Don't we the first job that we ever had I remember being 13 years old And my dad said I want you to come work for me uh, My dad ran a uh, managed a an outdoor mall in Chicago uh, so he was the manager, and he, he hired me to, uh, to work as one of the maintenance staff. And I was excited just to work. My dad wanted me to work for him. I was excited. Um, now, when I got there, it was kind of clear that the rest of the maintenance crew may not have had been as excited as I was. Uh, no one really wants to babysit the boss's kid, right? Um, they kind of felt a little bit I was put on them. Uh, So I knew very clearly, even as a young teenager, that whatever I did, I reflected my father, right? I knew that if I work well, I would honor my dad, and my dad would would get uh, praised by his employees. But if I was lazy and I did not work hard, I would reflect upon my father. Uh, Well, I think the same is true for work today, for all of us. Now, we may not work with our earthly fathers, but can I tell you this? everything that you do at your jobs, in your life, reflects your heavenly Father. Everything. That's what we've been working on throughout the book of Colossians. We want Jesus to be supreme in our, in our lives, don't we? In our churches, which we've looked at, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our homes, and now in our jobs. We want Jesus to be supreme in how we work. And if you, if you think about this as, as just realistically, you are going to spend a lot more time there than you will anywhere else. Those of you who have jobs, you will spend more time at your jobs, even, even in your own house, outside of sleeping, waking hours. You know, that's a, very important. And I think as, as, as pastors, we don't even often talk about how important your job is. We will today. Uh, well, this morning, you see our text, and if you notice, our text says, slaves. Obviously, you know that you are not slaves as workers, uh, so let's just, let me, can, I, can I make a couple of preliminary, preliminary comments first? Please, pastor. Well, thank you for saying so. Um, let me just address this first. Um, first century slavery, slavery in biblical times, was not the same kind of slavery that we probably think about in the South, right? The, the slaves were more parts of the household. As we see even in this section, it's the Christian households, wives, husbands and wives, children and then slaves. They're more looked at as servants. They, they, were, they had rights. Uh, in some cases, they were even able to, to marry and, and own, own their own land uh, and, and buy their own freedom. So it wasn't the same kind of slavery we, we think here in the South. So we've got to kind of have the open our minds a little bit uh, this morning. I think it's, it's probably more accustomed to the employee-employer relationship. Right, that's why we're going to really focus on, on that today. But you may ask, well, why does the Bible not really speak against the institution of slavery? Because you don't find that in the Bible. Now, even during the times of the Civil War, godly men who knew their Bibles would affirm slavery from the Scriptures. Right, So it's something that we could probably think about. Well, can I just say this as just, just a brief moment of introduction? I probably think that Paul did not speak against the institution of slavery because his main mission was that the gospel would go forth. He wanted the word of God to spread. Now in that day, in that culture, Rome was in charge. They were in control. And Christians did not want to look like they were subversive or they were um, against the government. They wanted to submit to the government. So if they were against the government, they, they were afraid that the government would put their handles on Christianity and crush it. So although Paul never spoke against the institution of slavery, he spoke against the seedbeds of it. He gave us the ground where I think that all slavery could be overturned. Christians have done more to overthrow slavery than any other group uh, throughout the world. Uh, the, the British politician Wilbur, William Wilberforce known as God's politician, worked hard because of his Christian convictions to end the slave trade. So let's not think that they were against it. Okay? You with me so far? Yes, good, wonderful. Um, well, let's just look at our text because I want to make sure that you that you understand that that's who they're addressing. Now, I'm going to, you know, I like to be faithful to the Scriptures. That's why I tell you that because you guys aren't slaves. When you go to work, you're not a slave. But I think that we can... Pull some principles out here that I think that can help you be a better employee, okay? So there's three things that I want to drive home today. I want you to work for the Lord with three aspects. I want you to work for the Lord with a heart of sincerity, a heart of diligence, and a heart of justice. Those are the three things that we're going to focus on this morning. So let's go back and look at that first one. We want to work for the Lord with a heart of sincerity. Look at verse 22 with me. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So the first thing that I, that I would say is that to have a heart of sincerity, you need to work in full obedience, in full obedience. Now, I've had a lot of different jobs, and some bosses I liked, some bosses I did not. Some I agreed with, some I most certainly did not. But I think that we still are required to obey. Now, there's not a direct one and one correlation between slaves and uh, employees, but I think if Paul was here today, he would say, as an employee worker, you are called to obey your boss. You're called to do what he says, whether that's a lunch policy or how you fill out your time. We are called to be good employees. We need to have full obedience. And I think it says here is, you know, it's, it's natural that we don't work as hard when the boss is not around. I have been an employee and I have been a boss, so I know the, di- the dynamics. But isn't it interesting how when the earthly authority there, we tend to work a little bit more hard, a little bit harder, a little bit more aware of our circumstances. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm amazed at even my own heart. The other day I was driving home and a policeman started following me. And I got nervous. Now, I, I, I obey the rules of the word, the, the, the rules of the, of, of the road. Uh, sometimes I may roll a stop sign. You can ask my wife about that. I'm working on it. The Lord is convicting me. Uh, but it's funny, when there's a policeman behind you, what happens to you you're driving? Your hands are at 10 and 2, and you're very careful that you obey every rule of the road. Uh, well, I, I quickly found out that he, that was a police officer that lives in my neighborhood, so he wasn't following me because I was doing something wrong, uh, but he lived next door. But isn't it funny how that works? Now, I'm, I, I try to follow the rule, but even when there's a cop behind me trying to, who doesn't normally speed, I'm still nervous. That's just natural. And I think that we need to understand as Christians that someone's eye is always on us. Now, we, we, we don't work as hard because our earthly boss is not there, but in God's eyes, his eyes are always upon us because he is everywhere. Nothing can be hidden from his sight. Nothing. Christians should be good employees. We'll get to that more in a second. So the first point I would just tell you is that we need to be to serve in full obedience. Galatians one uh, ten says this: Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. If our aim is to win the favor of our earthly master, then the Bible says is that you're not a servant of Christ. That doesn't mean that we're trying to be a good employee, but our, our main goal is not to only please our bosses, but it's to please God, which brings us to our second point. Uh, so we have full obedience, but we also need to, to serve in reverence for the Lord. So to have a heart of sincerity, you need to look in reverence for the Lord. Now, there's two scriptures that kind of help Help us in this regard. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.1. It says, Let all of us, all of you who are under the yoke of slaves, regard your own masters as worthy of all respect, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. When you work, you want to work from a pure heart, because it's the right thing to do. Because if you don't, if you don't uh, regard your master or your boss with respect, the Bible says is that the name of God and the gospel, the teaching, may be reviled. Or this one, in Titus uh, chapter 2, it says this, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, obey in everything, so that, I love the so that's in the Bible, when you read your Bibles at home, when they say a so that or a, therefore, circle it, okay? And then look what follows. So that in every way, they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. If you are a good employee, it's not just that you're doing good for yourself, which is right and good, but you're doing good for God and the gospel. So not only that the gospel won't, in the name of God, won't be condemned, it won't be reviled, but it'll be attractive. It'll be appealing to those who don't know God. When I come home, uh, when my wife's been cooking, and you know, I, I can just smell it in the house, what, what am I naturally drawn to? I want to find out what's there, right? I want to go right to that kitchen. I mean, I, no, no, no heavy jokes, right? But I love food, and I, I'm drawn there. Why? Because the smell is attractive, When you work hard and you submit yourself to your employer, what you're doing is you're making God attractive. Now, people think people have an unhealthy dichotomy of pastors, the clergy, and everybody else. People kind of look at a pastor having a a sacred job and everybody else having a secular job. But can I tell you that every single one of you are missionaries? When you go to work, you have an obligation and a duty to present yourself As a representative of God. You are his ambassador. And God is making his appeal through you for the souls of men. Now, if you go to work and think that this is just my job, I punch my clock, I go home, nine to five, and I'm done. You're missing the boat. Because let's just be honest. We have some empty pews in the house. Okay? We want to fill the church where people can to hear the gospel. How many times are you interacting with the lost folks in your neighborhood? Maybe some. But every day at your jobs, you have the opportunity to run into people who do not know God. As a pastor, that's something I struggle with. I'm called to work for the saints, to build up and edify the saints. So most of my time is spent with who? Believers. But you have the opportunity every day to go to a place where people do not know God. How are you dealing with it? All right, do you understand that how I work and how I serve my, my job and be a good employee, that I am representing God, that, that people will be attracted to him, that they'll smell your work and they'll, they'll, they'll be drawn closer and closer to you so you can tell them the good news of Jesus? You know, um, you can work for the glory of God. And I think sometimes we think that in order to have a good Christian work, good workplace, you got to... Um, name your, your business something that 's related to, to Christianity, and put a Bible verse on the receipt. Now those are all well and good, but when Martin Luther, uh, when a shoemaker came to him and says, "Martin, how can I make shoes for the glory of God?" he looked at me and said, "Make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price." You know sometimes the only difference between Christian work and non-Christian work is the motivation it 's the heart how we do and why we do what we do. But trust me, when it comes time for me to have heart surgery, I'm not going to look for the Christian. I'm going to look for the best heart surgeon. You know what I'm saying? Christians should be excellent at their jobs because that is commendable to God. So whatever you're doing, know that you are working for the Lord. If you are a stay-at-home mom, when you wipe those kids' noses, you are commending the gospel to your kids. When you volunteer at the hospital, when you greet people, you are working for the Lord. that people may know and believe the gospel. And we have many of you who are retired. Can I just make a quick note to you? Find an op- a, a place that you can volunteer, a place that you can serve, where you can come in contact with people who don't know God. That you could be His representatives. Now, some of you physically can't do that understandable, but pray for us who can. Pray that God would give us favor in the eyes of our employees, of our colleagues, so that the gospel may go forth. Well, the second thing that we see here, not only a heart of sincerity, but a heart of diligence. You need to work for the Lord with a heart of diligence. And I think that there's two things that we'll see here. Let us read um, verse 23. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with your, all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The idea that work heartily really means, biblically, literally, is out of the soul. You work out of the soul. You should be a hard worker. Because remember, who are we serving? I think there's two motivations here that we can see, that you can put down in your text. That first motivation is that we should be motivated that our service is for the Lord Christ. That's what it says. Look at the end of verse 24. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You are not just serving any God. You are serving the one true God. There is one God. There is one Lord. There is the supreme God of all the universe, and that's who you're serving. When you go to work, It's not just you're going to work to get a paycheck. You are serving the Lord Christ, who is above all gods and names. Have you ever asked yourself, why do you work hard? You know, I mean, why do we work? Well, we work because God has worked hard for us. I mean, as Christians, if you're, if you're here as a visitor, we welcome you, but if you're, let me just give you a, a breakdown of what we believe as Christians. We believe that our work, the works that we do in this life, can never save us. We believe that we are utterly sinful, that we have rejected God and rebelled against Him. And all our works are just filthy rags. They're never pure, they're never clean. We can't do enough to earn God's favor. So God said, I will do it for you. God sent the Lord Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, and his, his work on the cross, his death and his resurrection, brought us salvation. So we as Christians, we, when, we, when I say work, we don't trust in our work, do we? We trust in the work of Christ. Because Christ came, he lived, and he died for sin to bring me to God as I trust in the hope of the resurrection from the dead. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, your work and your jobs or the good work that you do cannot save you. You need to trust in the work of another, the work of Christ. But let me just make a quick point here, because sometimes when, when a man says you need to work hard in your jobs, we, 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 we kind of take that to hear, I need to, to be there all the time. Because working hard and with diligence, sometimes we excuse the fact that we got to remember who we're serving. We're serving the Lord Christ. So in serving the Lord Christ, working hard and working diligent does not mean always taking an extra shift. It does not mean taking an extra meeting or working more hours. Because you got to keep your priorities in balance. Because you're working for the Lord Christ. And you just need to trust Him. To trust Him with your future. Because remember, you're not, your aim is not to win favor of your boss, to stay late and do all these other things, but it's to serve and, and please Christ. That's who you're serving. When I was in school and seminary, I remember one of my first classes, a professor said this, he said, now, if you do all your assignments, you can get a B. But if you want an A, you're going to have to write this research paper. And he said, now some of you, it would be a sin if you didn't write that research paper. And then he said, others of you, it would be a sin if you wrote that research paper because of all your other obligations. I was a father, I had a full-time job, and I had two kids at the time. Well, thank you for saying that because I'm not going to write the research paper. Give me my B, right? Um, and I think we just need to understand that when we go to a job. We need to remember that our main priority is God and the priorities that He gives. Serve Him and Him alone. The second motivation that you, think that you find here is that our service will be rewarded. We need to be motivated that our service will be awarded. Look what it says here in the text. You work heartily for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Now, the word inheritance probably would have perked the ears to slaves because slaves were entitled to no inheritance. They were not sons. They never got inheritance. They may have gotten good behavior reports. They may have been treated better by their good work, but they would have never gotten an inheritance. So when God looked at them and said, in your good work, you will be rewarded. And what will you be rewarded with? An inheritance. Now, what is that inheritance that he's talking about? Well, we, we find from 1 Peter Uh, Chapter 3, 1 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says this: Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Paul is saying to these slaves is that when you work hard and you work with a heart of sincerity, a heart of diligence for God, you will get an inheritance of heaven that will never spoil, that will never fade, that will never go away. You get to be with God forever, living on the new heavens and the new earth. That is comforting. That is comforting. And I think when we focus more on heaven and our eternal rewards, we're better employees in the present. I, I just firmly believe that. I, I see this in my own marriage. If, if God is number one in my life, I'm a better husband. I see this in my kids. If, I'm, if God is number one in my life, I'm a better father. But when I get the, the order mixed around, things tend to fall apart. So kind I just urge you, when you live day in and day out, going to your jobs, to trust in the inheritance that God is going to give you in Christ? Trust in Christ. Lastly, last point, we want to work for the Lord with a heart of justice. Work with a, for the Lord with a heart of justice. Look with me in verses 25 and v- verses 4-1. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there is no favoritism. Masters, Provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So we want to work for the Lord with a heart of justice. And that first point, I would say this all wrongs will be made right. All wrongs will be made right. God is a God of justice. Now, when we hear the word justice, we often think of our worldly justice, our court system. And when you see our court systems and the failings thereof, sometimes you, don't look, you look at them and say, that's not really just. Well, if you go to a courthouse, especially the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., you'll see a picture of Lady Justice, right? Lady Justice is, is that picture where she's got a blindfold on, right? And she's got the balance scales saying that I'm, I'm impartial, right? We just want justice to be served. But I think the opposite is true for God. Because God, when he gives justice, his eyes are not blindfolded. He sees all. And because he sees all, every wrong will be punished. And every right will be rewarded. Listen to what Romans chapter 2 says. He, God, will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. To the Jew first and also the Greek, for God Shows no partiality. There's no favoritism in God. He will make all things right. This gives me so much comfort in my job and in my everyday life. Because are you always treated well? No. Sometimes people abuse you, right? They say false things behind you, they malign you, they they slander you. When Paul was slandered, who wrote this letter, He said, Alexander the coppersmith, at the end of uh, 2 Timothy, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. And he says, the Lord will repay him for his deeds. Just as simple as that. So if you have a boss that doesn't treat you well, if you have a friend that speaks against you, that sins against you, who does evil to you, you can trust assured that they will meet God and they will give an account to Him who sees perfectly and who will give perfect justice. All wrongs will be made right. And they're made right one of two ways. They're made right by God punishing them for their sin with His wrath. God hates sin. God is not kind to those who only sin a little bit but don't have, his, don't have Jesus. Those who sin at all, God hates sin. So the Bible says, "You are His enemy." So if if you justice one way is God putting His wrath on individuals, the other way is that God puts His wrath on Jesus, and that justice has happened because the sinless Son of God was punished. He became sin that we could become the righteousness of God. So I don't boast in saying that I'm that I'm a great um, that I'm a great person. That I've done great works. I say I have one who's done great works on my behalf, the Lord Jesus. And my sin, my past sin, my present sin, and my future sin has all been paid for in Jesus. You can experience full forgiveness in Christ. This is why you need to work hard at your jobs. This is why you need to have a heart of sincerity. Why? It's because heaven and hell are real. And we want people to be attracted to salvation in Christ. We want people to come to know that they can be forgiven of all their sins, blameless and pure in the eyes of God through Christ. People at your jobs, people in your neighborhoods, people where you volunteer are lost. And without Christ, there is no hope. But the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. In Jesus Christ. The last point I'll say is this. Paul kind of turns the argument here after speaking to those who are in a position of weakness and saying, trust God. God will reward everyone for their work. He says this. Masters, provide your slaves what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. I love this because Paul is saying to these people who think they have power, Just remember, you have a master too. Really, what he's saying is just remember, you're my slave. When you treat these slaves wrong, just remember, you're mine. I'm your master. And I think sometimes we think that we're bigger than our own britches, that we can kind of pull around our experience and think that because of our experience, because of our life, and we can kind of say, well, I have the right to do this. I have the right to speak to people the way I will, right? God says, look up you have someone looking down on you. And if you look down on others, treating them unfairly and harshly, you have me to answer to. We all have a master. And we will all give an account. That's comforting, not only to slaves, but to me, to you. We look to Christ and to Christ alone for our hope. Beloved, I would just say this as I close. You are valuable in the eyes of God. You are his ambassadors, his representatives on earth. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God is making his appeal through you. God could awaken people through visions. God could could have them have a dream and come to Christ the next day. But that's not typically how God works. God works through you, through how you live your life, how you work, lives of sincerity, lives of diligence, knowing that God will bring justice. So can I just tell you, make the appeal attractive, work and work hard for the glory of God, that people will come to know Jesus as their Savior. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we will be uh, up to the task. God, I pray that you will um, use us, use us in our labors, uh, in our service to others, that we can love God rightly and serve our neighbors uh, in our jobs, that they can know and experience salvation in Christ. God, we pray that we will make the, the doctrine of our God attractive, that people will come to know Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.